Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Het Knight, and alongside me, we got David. Your very own horror version. Very own. In the flesh. I always feel weird about saying your very own (laughs) version. It's it's our horror version. I mean, you are ours, ours. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That even makes me feel even more uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) You're just a piece of meat, David. You're just a piece of meat. Also known as Nightly on the other end, there we got Freddie. Always keeping it spoopy. Always and forever, also known as Nighty Night. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question, why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over on patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's signed with the what? By a legend on Patreon, you'll access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday with a post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, keeping things going with our Pride Horror Month, which so fucking excited to just keep this going. Because last week was great. We have Raina Cervantes from Horror In Session on. Fantastic conversation. But this time around, we got Bobby Therese from Bobby Lights It Spooky. Bobby, what's up, brother? Woo! Hey, what's Welcome. up, guys? <laughs> oh, man. Dude, this is absolutely amazing to have you on the show. This is honestly a long time coming. We've been talking sure. about getting you on the show for a minute now. So oh, definitely man. a long time coming. Okay, okay. But well, thanks, guys. You've been killing it, man. You've been killing it. Just hit 1,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel. Congrats. On top of that, you've been doing a whole bunch of stuff with Convo X Fango. That's mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. You, you've been doing some fantastic stuff it's been really cool to see you just shine man oh thanks man i really really appreciate that and obviously you guys been doing your thing too i mean congratulations on the zero what's the zero silver <laughs> <Bolo Award. laughs> thank you thank um, you that was uh, i'm sure that was a surprise to you guys so I, it was yeah. definitely I shocking cried. that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> in front of all I'm my with friends you. i did too Hated i did it. too Loved it. <laughs> it's all good Freddie. it's all good i'm right there with you brother um, but <laughs> the, movie, <laughs> the movie that we are talking about today is shutter exclusives spiral not spiral a book of saw shutter <laughs> exclusive spiral now first and foremost everybody thoughts you want to take it away, Bobby, first? Yeah. Um, Bobby, guest of honor. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so when this movie first came out, um, I was curious about it because I'm a fan of Jeffrey Boyer Chapman. Um, I've seen yeah. a lot of his previous work. Um, so I was curious to see him in a horror film. Um, that was kind of a surprise. And when I checked it out, it was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I reviewed it for my channel as well. Um, I did have some gripes with the movie. But again, no movie's really perfect. Right. Um, but um, for the most part, it is like a social, I guess, commentary type of horror film. So um, there's a lot to unpack about this movie. Um, so, yeah, overall, I kind of enjoyed it. Nice. I feel that. Yeah, I feel that. What about you, people- Freddie and David? Oh, because I know this was. Oh, ahead, I'm sorry. Freddie. I'm sorry, David. You were going to say something. Well, uh, Bobby was like he uh, had covered it on his channel. I was going to say, tell the people where they can find that. Oh yeah, David. please do. Good thing. Oh, David. well, you can <laughs> you can find that on Bobby Likes to Spooky on YouTube. Um, Thank I you. Put the 
a movie review out in sometime in September when the actual movie came out. So yeah. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Good thinking, David. See, this is this is why <laughs> I have it. This is exactly why I have it here. Um, awesome. Well, uh, Freddie, uh, what do you think about this movie, my friend? Okay. I know this Spiral. is your first time seeing it, and yes. also, David, your first time seeing it. Yes, it is. So, obviously, I try to go in as blind as possible. No trailers, no nothing, not knowing Watch anything about this movie. Exactly. The whole nine. I think yeah, the only thing I had context of is that uh, I saw the poster. And it's okay. been in my, like queue to watch on Shutter for such a long time and I'm happy I didn't watch it back then because now we can discuss it now and it's fresh in my head seeing it for the first time and I actually really love this movie I think it's really good I think it's really layered and that's the thing that I really liked about it and it caught me from surprise there was a lot of twists and turns that I did not expect that's like okay this is a full on cult movie and then you see a lot of imagery it's like wait is this a paranormal movie I have no idea what's going on so that kind of stuff and that kind of storytelling really grabs my attention and I actually think all of the characters were phenomenal, well-acted. They had great chemistry. They were very charismatic. You actually cared about these people. And that's something that's extremely necessary in a horror movie. You have to care about the people who are in danger to have the full-on experience. And that's, yeah, I, I really appreciate this movie. Can't wait to yeah, break it down, too. It's a good movie to, you know, take chunks at. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I agree with a lot of that. And And on the underneath the covers of this movie this movie's fucked up oh, like socially yes. this movie is fucked up yeah, <laughs> movie. the last few scenes you're just like wow yes. yeah seriously and David, the way, what about uh, you? oh yeah. sorry go ahead Freddie. No, no no i was just saying like even the opening scene we get glimpses of, glimpses of like what happened in the past and then yeah. you're hoping there's like a an arc of like redemption or something good that's gonna happen at the end and wow not really but kind yeah, of, I mean, but not really. Yeah. It's, it's fucked to say, but like, that's just the world. Like, unfortunately, like this is shit people truly had to deal with. And God, our, our, our main protagonist, even worse that uh, Malik had was also black too. Right. So right. like, it was just like every angle for this guy. And then all top of that interracial same sex marriage, like, whoa, like you, you like you're, you're definitely stepping on so many different taboos here mm -hmm. that it, it, it was just plain to see. And but, that's one thing I was scared, like when going into this film um, yeah. and seeing it, I was scared of how they were going to handle all of that in this movie right. as far as like, you know, interracial uh, marriage and then same sex marriage. Um, mm -hmm. And just how all that was going to play a part in it and how they was going to handle it. Because not all movies handle things like this very well so right. it was um interesting to see how everything played out and i guess we could talk about you know we could talk more about it when you get into it but yeah they're not just targeting just lgbt you know people exactly so, yeah yeah, I, I definitely think you all bring up amazing points. Um, I love having Malik as a protagonist. Um, and I think the... I feel like I always bring up Eras, but I feel like this movie um, helps itself even more being in 1995. Um, just because that's the cusp of when people are starting to understand and be more accepting, but there is still a lot of problems, right? Um, and this... Malik being a person of color um, and also gay, it really does allow you to see many different aspects of horror that can be faced when it comes to being LGBTQ+, right? Um, but I actually really wanted... I enjoyed this movie. 
And I found myself wanting even more from this movie. I actually was, when I was watching, I was like, I wish this would be longer because I think it had a very strong first act. And you know me, I love a mystery. I love asking questions and I love trying to figure out what is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the middle portion of the film, I was getting a little confused, but once I got to the end, I see why that was the case and that was supposed to be yeah. portrayed in, in that light. Um, and during the, like the third act, I just wanted more. I, you, and everyone could probably guess that I would say this. I want more of that supernaturalness. When we started seeing that and the result of why we were seeing that, I wish we would have gotten more of that because that would have been a lot more fun. But that's just my my bias of what I like. But overall, I think this film does a really good job of uh, presenting an intricate story. And I love that we even get a glimpse of what happens after these characters. And that's exciting to me. But yeah, I enjoyed it. The fucking cycle, like mm-hmm. continuing, is just it's like bananas. a spiral. Right. Oh, just oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with everybody, though. I absolutely enjoy this movie. Um, I reviewed it back in, eesh, I want to say it was around August. Is around when I got it because nice. I, I was on paternity leave at the time, um, and that's when I ended up getting it. And I, I was, uh, I was talking to. Um, Trace and Joe over at Horror Queers about it and like we kind of were just like breaking it down ourselves and it was it was super intriguing to just see it like it was just the first time I saw it I was like I have I've never really truly seen something like this before like this is a really really fun story and um I love the climax I love how like it felt real like this oddly felt like there's a town out there that actually does shit like this like i like i wouldn't be it wouldn't be too far off if it wasn't you know what i'm saying so it's, it's super interesting but let's go ahead and just jump straight up into this man spiral directed by curtis david harder released august 25th of 2019 the actual release date um with a runtime of one hour and 30 minutes uh no budget or box office uh didn't play in theaters but there's a rating of 77 percent on rotten tomatoes uh, we open to a snowy night on December 12th, 1983. The camera moving closer to a parked car. We see through the window two men kissing in the backseat. Headlights shine on them, quick cutting to one of the, one of them screaming over their partner's bloody, lifeless body. And the more and more we even see that, just fucking crushes me every time. I'm just like, damn, this, that scene, like for me, was that was like some of the true horror right there. Cause I just, I agree. Yeah, yeah just, totally. That wow. is real hard, you know. That shit right, hundred percent. Yeah. It happens. So yeah, it's it's interesting because I feel like it chapter two, and David, I know you you haven't seen it yet, so I'm gonna keep this spo- as spoiler free as possible. But I, I feel like it chapter two has something similar to this um, that feels impactful, but at the same time, it does kind of feel shoehorned compared to this being a lot more impactful. Yeah, but. Would you I have to the seen same? chapter two. Have I'm you seen chapter rem- two? Yeah, but I'm trying to remember the, it's scene. the opening scene. It was yeah, it's the, the opener. Uh, yeah. The carnival. Mm-hmm. That's, That's like right. A, a couple walking. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're so, right. You're right. Say that. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Jump to the same sex couple, Malik and Aaron, and their teen daughter, Kayla, on November 7th of 1995. Super close to my birthday. <laughs> Aaron <laughs> tries to get his daughter's attention, commenting on the gorgeous scenery. He grabs Malik's hand and continues driving, something flying at, the, at their car, cracking their window, causing him to stop the car. Then, title card. Fucking Amazing. Right here, I love this. Yeah. I love Same. that we actually see yeah. something similar like this again later. It's all good. 
And Transition. if you guys notice the spiral, the spiral, the crack crack crack. The, yeah. yeah, it's a spiral. I That's loved right. it. Oh, some great detail to add. So great. I felt so stupid because the first time I watched it, I didn't realize that. And then when I watched it the second time, I was like, oh, snap, a spiral. <laughs> <laughs> so I called them a little They're everywhere. Day, you're right. It's funny because like they are almost like everywhere too. And mm-hmm. it's, it's right. super interesting. I have to say it's a very strong opening. Like, oh yeah. yeah. Before the time card oh, and everything, yeah. it's like, okay, we got a glimpse. I'm mysteriously wanting more information because that looks mm-hmm. horrendous for the character. And then we get that great spiral. And I was like, yes, yeah, yeah. this so movie's going to be rad. <laughs> Transition to Malik explaining how awesome his 20s was to Kayla as they all sit on the floor eating pizza. He continues explaining that the, that this hot guy in his story was a total asshole, suggesting that most of their first are. Then compliments Aaron while smiling at him. Aaron is in deep concentration, asking them if they hear something. They are all nervous, claiming that they don't hear anything. And that's his point. Little little cheesy, but I feel like it worked. Yeah. <laughs> Calling it peaceful. Kayla grabs... Uh, Kayla gripes about it, then angrily asks about him losing his virginity with her mom. He nods that it is, that it was, adding a fake large age, adding that <laughs> she would she would be the same old age when she loses hers. She smartly questions him, Malik putting a stop to it, and she's like straight up just like, "What if I already lost a dad? Now right. what?" <laughs> just like, "Damn, bro, you, you really want to you want to have this right now? No. Trying to eat my pizza, <laughs> trying to enjoy my evening with my husband, like <laughs> such a teenager, right <laughs> such a nineteen nineties teenager. Exactly. Yes, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, dad. I'm rebellious." Exactly. <laughs> Malik chats with Aaron to not worry about Caleb because she is feeling abandoned from her mom. He continues that she will forget about it once school starts. Aaron agrees, fish, uh, finishing up the dishes, uh, coming over to Malik, kissing and complimenting him. Malik is disappointed that Aaron is, has to go to work tomorrow, Aaron leaving him to continue drinking his wine. Do we know what he did? Like, do we know what Aaron actually did for a job? No? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Uh, Never he learned. was just always going to work, coming home, going to work, coming home. They never really talked yeah, about it. He was, he was just a, a working man, I guess. But yeah. it, it, I <laughs> picture him being like head of construction. Interesting. I can see that. He always came back home, like kind of like a lumberjack. He had the flannels on and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in the back portion of the house, a hooded person watches them from outside. And right off the bat, we just straight up get that ominous presence. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know, like, where it's just like, oh, what's going on here? Next day, Malik wakes up alone. He wakes up Kayla to help him set up the house uh, while her dad is out. She doesn't want to, but she but he bugs her to get up, and she, and he starts putting things together um, as she slow rolls out of bed. Kayla takes a Polaroid picture of herself, placing the image on her vanity. She goes through a box, smiling at a picture that that she found inside. Cuts to Malik and Kayla laughing at an old picture book talking about Malik in a dress. He turns to the page um, to show her dad, also in makeup and a dress, her laughing, calling it hideous. He shares, it quote, is. that living your your life He shares, quote, that, that uh, living your life loud and proud is the bravest thing you can do in this world, end quote. Fucking love this. Like, I fucks with this so much. It, it's beautiful words to live by and... 100%. It's interesting because I'm actually going to take my glasses off. Um, it's interesting because they have this moment where it's just like being true to yourself is it's that's the way you want to live your life. You want to be true to yourself. You don't want to give a fuck what anybody else thinks about you. And that, that shit is dope. Like it, yeah. it's super dope. And, and I love that that's 
kind of like our mentality for this generation, and it's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, And it's actually kind of surprising to hear Malik say that, especially in the 90s, just because even in the 90s, you know, being gay was rough. Um, And it's still rough now, but um, things now are a little bit more open and more free. Um, Mm -hmm. So I wish... I mean, I was obviously born in the 90s, but um, I wish I was old enough to kind of experience and see how all that stuff worked out and see how everybody um, was because, I don't know, like, me growing up as a gay male in high school, like, I kind of lived by that. Like, I didn't Mm -hmm. come out until maybe 17, 18. Um, But actually, I shouldn't even say I I really came out. I just literally just lived my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, you embraced it. Yeah, I just embraced it. And and I can't say everybody can do the same because it's, you know, it's harder for most people. But I was lucky enough to grow up in a family where they, you know, they embraced me, embraced, you know, everybody else and was just... You know, they accept everybody for who they were. And I think that's right. what helped me out. So hearing Malik say that um, kind of resonated with me a little bit. I actually, I actually like that. I love that. Uh, I yeah. actually love hearing that. And yeah. what I've been hearing in recent years is a lot of people feel like they don't even need to come out because just, you know, they sometimes argue like, well, a straight person doesn't need to come out and say I'm straight, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all about what feels right for you. And what you want to go by, so I think that's a great perspective that you shared. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that too. Bob. No, no, of course, of course. I mean, that. why not? I mean, again, a lot of people. I'm not too sure they would feel the same way. Everybody has their own story, but that's right. why another reason why I picked this movie just because um, Malik's perspective on life and just being free and being open. That's what, how I live by. So I kind of can relate to him in that aspect, but other stuff in the movie, I don't know. But as as far as that, (laughs) yes. (laughs) As far as that, yes. I love it. I love it. Malik continues unpacking, placing the photo of him and Aaron to the corkboard. He drops a smile when he takes out shattered shattered glass, placing them on the dresser, or excuse me, shattered glasses, placing them on the dresser and thinking back to that night. While taking out the trash, one of the neighbors is staring at him. Malik greets the man, but he doesn't say anything back. Instead, he shakes his head and walks back t- into his house. What is your first thought in this? Like, obviously, like, like it's it probably one of those things. Like, oh, this motherfucker! But right. like, it, it, at the same time, like later we find out where it's just like, shit. He was just disappointed that this shit was happening again. Mm-hmm. Like, it was more so for him. Like, fuck. Like, I got to try to save these people. Like, damn. But when like, you first watch it, you don't see that. You think that he's no. up to something. I was thinking like, oh, we got another, you know, black person in here or something or just somebody just pretty much not being a nice person. But obviously you get the opposite of that a little later in the film. But my first impressions of that, I was just like, oh, Lord, here we go. It's starting right now. Right. Right. (laughs) Damn. Cut to Kayla speaking to her friend Derek on the phone about how much she doesn't want to be there. Aaron knocks uh, knocks and comes into her room, Kayla telling him wait for her to answer next time before coming inside. Derek greets Aaron, sharing that the city is not the same without Kayla. Aaron chuckles that they will see each other real soon. Kayla glares at him. He says his goodbyes to Aaron because Kayla is staring staring with a thousand daggers at her dad. She's just like, get the fuck out of my room. <laughs> She's like, she is not having it. And he leaves out of her room. 
When he closes the door, Derek asks how Malik is doing, and she gets, she just guesses that he's fine. He asks her for a favor to not share any drinks with them. And I I didn't understand that. Yeah. Like was like was that just supposed to be a like you're gonna catch being gay if you share drinks with your dads? Like I didn't I didn't I didn't get. That I had some questions that. about that statement as well, but I think. Whatever it was, it offended the fuck out of me. (laughs) It seems like like what they wanted to imply was something offensive without saying something offensive. At least the the people who made the movie. Um, And I feel like it got the job done. Yeah, I got from it where, you know, obviously if you're gay, especially in the 80s, 90s or whatever, you you automatically have like... um, a, a disease or a virus, HIV, as um, right. AIDS or something. So once a person find out that you had that, um, oh, I can't drink after you, even though you can't get it like that, but I can't drink right. from you, I can't share anything, I can't go near you, I can't breathe, like I can't be near you because they think yeah. it's like an airborne disease or something. So I'm not too sure if well, she felt sense. that way because obviously that's their daughter, but right. I mean, maybe that's something that she's still probably figuring out in her head. So yeah, yeah. I think you're spot on now that I think about it. Yeah, because yeah, people just right. didn't know about AIDS and or as enough information about AIDS, and they were very ignorant. And a lot of uh, hearsay was spread about how to get it. And I think you're totally spot on now that I think about it because it is during like the yeah. early '90s. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot. Of and sense, I hear that yeah. so yeah. much. Like when I, I watch a lot of you know um, like LGBT shows, and that's always a thing. And not even just the LGBT shows, but like you can see it and. Um, regular shows like for instance i was watching girlfriends because that was my shit back in the day sorry to get off track but there was (laughs) (laughs) but no there's an episode where um tracy ellis ross character um her character joan her friend was coming to visit and she found out that she has hiv and she was like cooking dinner or something she cut herself with the knife and they all just kind of like backed away from her and kind of just like, oh, well, we can't wow. be near her because we might get, you know, and it doesn't work like that. And a lot right. of those shows are ignorant and a lot of people are ignorant like that. And I feel like people should just do their education on, you know, that type of stuff because yeah. it doesn't work that yeah, way. Makes sense. <laughs> right. You also have to think about how they're in a small town too, right? And I True. feel like, not not speaking negatively on that, but I think access to information in 1995 in a small town where you may not have uh, accessibility to maybe as reliable internet or so on um, can have an impact on what you're knowledgeable on or what you can be like educated on. I feel like that can have an effect. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. A man on the TV is speaking on all people being equal besides their rights. Aaron comes into the room with Malik, asking him how it's going with his work. He gives Malik some words of encouragement, telling him to get back to work and joking about him needing to help out with uh, with paying out the house. They are, they are sleeping. Uh, Malik is awoken by something thumping around in the house. He checks to see what is what is uh, where it is coming from, op- uh, opening Kayla's door, but she is fast asleep. Uh, continuing downstairs where the thumping continues, he is startled by a banging on the glass, but he scoffs, shaking his head as he walks away. Uh, the camera slowly spirals to, to show us the branches of the trees. That's fucking rad. Next morning, Malik is sawing the branches off the tree. Their neighbor, Tiffany, knocks on the door. Mm. Aaron answers it. She introduces herself, mm. sharing that she came over because she saw Malik, um, calling him the gardener outside. And I was like, bitch! Yeah, like, yeah, it got me so heated. Got yeah, me so heated yeah, yeah. watching that. Me like, off. 
Yes, yeah, Sam. Well, when all he came page. in, put his arm over him. I was like, yes. Yeah. It was fucking. He was sending a message. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Like for like, sure. No, like, that was the best Bam. move that to do that Bam. right now. And exactly. I love, it's a it's a good follow up of like what we just heard Malik say about like just be yourself, right? Be like right. proud, yep. and he's like he doesn't proud. care. Yeah. And I love the fact that Aaron didn't like take his arm off or move awkwardly. Like Aaron embraced that. Like, yeah, that's my man right here. Like, yeah. what the fuck's up? It's interesting. Like, I feel like started. Aaron felt a little like uncomfortable about it. I think he it. felt. I, I think he felt probably off, like caught off guard. But maybe I didn't, that's I, what I didn't it was. See him. I didn't see him uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, maybe Malik uncomfortable was the like, wrong word. Like locking arms, yeah. and like he was, he was into it. <laughs> That's true. I think caught off guard is a better way to put it for sure. I remember yeah. when like somebody on my comments um says something about that part specifically, and they were saying um how they didn't like that, and this is coming from another person in the comp. Uh, I'm sorry, another queer person saying that they didn't like that scene because they felt like, oh, well, I'm trying too hard or I have, like, they're throwing it in that person's face. But I said, like, he should have did that. I mean, was yeah. like, why Why shouldn't he, like, embrace, you know, who he is? Why shouldn't he do that with his man? Especially with a comment that came out her mouth like that. You know what I mean? So, right. yeah. that pissed exactly. me off. I was like, man, I'm disappointed in you. But then again, <laughs> I don't know where he's, he comes from. Maybe he's right. still trying different to figure Exactly. Yeah. Every relationship so. is different, right? So it depends mm-hmm. on the context of the relationship and how you and your partner like jive. Because like, yep. I feel like if I were to do that with Bella, she'd be like, "Why'd you do that?" Right? But <laughs> right. I, but if I'm and like, that's, that's, that's they, like some people's like PDA preferences and stuff yeah. like that yeah, too. Yeah. Right? So I feel that though. Right. Yeah. yeah. I see like, both perspectives. I mean, it's kind of like one of those things where you can take it's like, oh yeah, I have to like prove my point right now by doing that i mean rather than like i just love you and that's all that matters we don't care what this person in front of us thinks no matter what you didn't i think it was justified i was happy they did that because i was like fuck that bitch yeah (laughs) i think in this context it's justified because homegirl was trying to it seemed like she was trying to speak game and also called him the gardener like i i give him full props for doing that yeah, and when she real. found out that they were a gay couple, she said, oh, we don't have too many of you around or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. Like, pocket. I'm like, well, it's here's like, your okay. nice plant back. I do not want it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's good. Actually, it's it's an ugly plant. Yeah, it was horrible. It, it was. But I mean, it was all part of the plan, right? She yeah, was already starting yeah. like planting the seed, and mm-hmm. she was making her literally, no. literally, <laughs> literally. Aaron <laughs> corrects her and calls Malik to say hi. He introduces her to Malik, and he puts his arm around Aaron. Tiffany is a little taken back by it, but continues smiling, claiming that they aren't enough. Uh, they are, they don't have none of them there. Malik comments about it, and Tiffany hands them a plant as a, a welcoming gift. <laughs> I would have been like, "What? You, you interracial couple?" Like, I was just, I would have, like, said some shit like that. <laughs> they accepted. Aaron apologizing for not, uh, not getting her something, but she denies any gifts, claiming that she is excited to just f- see fresh faces around the neighborhood and that nothing changes around, around there. She says, she says her goodbyes, Aaron thinking that she seems nice, Malik sarcastically saying that she seems something. He hands him the plant and leaves for work. Malik goes into the computer room where Kayla is printing resumes to look for a job. She jokingly insults him about not having money before taking her printed resumes, jetting out of the door. That was actually a kind of mean joke, I ain't gonna lie. She was, riding her, she was riding her bike, spotting cool dude number one, Tyler, smoking <laughs> a cigarette in front of his car. <laughs> It's just like, okay. Back at home, Malik is working, continuing to listen to the man speaking about, quote, the trend. 
the traditional family unit, end quote, as he types. He's intrigued, rewinding what he says as he ponders. Malik goes for a run through the town, coming back in the early evening. He calls for Kayla, no answer. In the dining room, he stops in shock, crying from the homophobic slur spray-painted on the walls. Wow. Yeah. Like, two things. Somebody you don't know was in your house. Yeah. And also you have this extremely hateful slur mm-hmm. on your wall. Like, that is fucking insane. Right. Damn. What comes after that is what pissed me off more. I mean, I'm already pissed off that you come in my house and, well, somebody came in my house and put that slur on there. But then what comes right. after that and what Malik, what Malik did, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I know we're not there yet, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Same. He briefly thinks back to that night Malik paints over the wall. Aaron mm. comes home cheerful, uh, cheerful, not understanding why he painted the wall. Malik covers it by saying that it needed a fresh coat. I don't understand why he did that. Right. Like I would, I yeah. would have immediately been like, "Yo, yes, 100%. someone came up into our fucking house, dog, mm-hmm. <laughs> and fucking painted this shit on our walls." I would have like, left it right there. What are for you him going to, to do about it? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So we need you to see go. This shit? They don't Part want us trick. here. Like, we need to go. That we need probably, to go back to the city. <laughs> that probably would have helped them, you know, throughout the film, you know. Cause, 100%. But by him covering I, yeah. it up, it just, I, I just felt like it just didn't do him any justice. Yeah. It didn't do him I any don't want to jump too ahead, but yeah, exactly what you're saying. It's like, if he had this story told to him immediately, the conversations they have afterwards, it's like, you get victim blamed and saying like, no, you're kind of going nuts. It's not true. Mm-hmm. You're just going wild. I know what happened in your past and kind of blames his past on it. But like, if this was just seen in the very beginning, a lot of the movie wouldn't have happened. Yeah. I think, uh, or, yeah. or it would have just happened differently. Yeah. Right? I, I, mean, I, I personally think they would have just worked together. It would have just or been they a different been movie. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here. That. Yeah. yeah. So this was, yeah, this was a scene that I kept coming back to in my mind as I watched the rest of the film when there was like communication issues and so on, because yeah, if this was communicated, and it should be because, you know, it affects the entire family. Uh, right. Like you guys all said, the film could have gone in a completely different direction. Um, and I wonder if it's just um, a fear from Malik's end of, like, him not wanting to give Aaron, like, uh, second thoughts or doubts about them being together. Or is it worth them being out there? Like, I think he was trying to be more accommodating, like, uh, saving him his feelings. But I totally agree. I was like... Dude, he should have just said something. Yeah. But I think this what's this kind of makes Malik a good protagonist in a way because uh, although I don't agree with him keeping it hidden, I think he his character acts in very realistic ways. You know, right. like I could yeah. see someone oh, actually right. trying to cover this up to to save um, their partner experiencing pain. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I felt Aaron, that's the main reason why he painted over. It's like he doesn't want him to see it to feel bad or sad or mm-hmm. being. Especially since situation. they just moved there. Yeah, uh, he's happy about it. Yeah, he, he wants to burn even, the pain. We can even definitely talk more about this in the post show too, because this yeah. is an interesting conversation that I feel like we could spend a lot, a lot of time yeah. talking on for sure. Yeah. Uh, Aaron goes up to his daughter, t- taking off her headphones, asking her what she did today. She uninterestedly tells tells um, 
tells him what she did, adding that she got a, a job as a hostess. He's stoked, wanting to celebrate. He takes her her CD and puts it into stereo. Now hits from 1990. <laughs> he forces Kayla to dance, and she does so with a fun smile on her face. Aaron gleefully calls over Malik, and he hops over to the banister, dancing with them. Meanwhile, outside the home, the bald neighbor that Malik greeted earlier is standing outside their house, watching. Cut to Malik working on his paper on the computer. He stops, getting up for, uh, from his chair when he notices that his picture is gone. And I shouldn't say paper, it was a book. Uh, Malik calls his friend Liam, remembering that he told his cousin about them. While speaking with, with him, excuse me, while speaking with him, we see that he's getting an alarm system installed onto the house. Liam claims that the world that the world is a different is different now and not like it was back then. Malik argues that the world hasn't changed. People aren't just better. People are just better at hiding how they actually feel. Sharing that someone uh, sprayed spray painted a, sh- a slur on their home in his home, and that is fuck. That's so fucking true. Mm-hmm. Like we saw this shit so so well during this whole era of fucking Trump being president. It was just like, damn, all y'all motherfuckers racist. God, yep. damn, yeah. I thought this shit was coming yep. to a close, but nah, y'all no, just there's hit a lot that of shit so well. Still. Mm-hmm. Y'all kept that in your house, and now it's out in the open all over again. Great. So true. Liam asks what Aaron thinks about all of this, but he hasn't told him yet. He doesn't know that he doesn't know what Aaron would think. Liam not truly caring. Um, Malik is startled by the garage door opening and Aaron coming inside from, from work. He asks what Malik is doing in there, Malik commenting that he's putting away some boxes while giving him a kiss. They share a cute moment before heading inside the house. Cut to them at Tiffany's party next door. She introduces them to her husband, Marshall. Marshall comments uh, that him and Malik are similar because their significant others work outside the house. Marshall continues, but it gets drawn out while, uh, when Malik spots his other neighbor glaring at him. They glare at each other for a moment, but he's brought back when, when they ask about uh, his writings. They cheers to quote-unquote new neighbors, Malik looking back, the man now gone. Back home, Malik's awoken up by the banging downstairs yet again. Arming himself with a bat, he goes downstairs to check on the noise. He looks around, startled by a man standing outside his window. The alarm sounds off. Malik chasing the elderly man. The man falls to the ground, pleading for him not to hurt him. Malik asks why is he on his property. The man tries um, handing him a piece of paper, pleading for him to take it. The neighbors are coming out of their house to see what's going on, Aaron included. Malik takes the paper, the man telling him to not tell anyone, then playing the whole situation off as he acts confused. That shit right there, though. Yeah. That was intense. That was, was such an intense scene. Yeah. Such an intense scene with uh, just everything. Because you, you truly, deeply don't understand what's going on here. The piece of paper that he's handing him. The You're just like, wait, what the fuck? What are you, what, what are you talking about? Right. And like this dude just absolutely perfect when he just acted like he was just a confused old man. <laughs> right. Like I was just like that. This dude's been like he studied this. Like he like legit was just like oh shit. Like genuinely was studying this. Mm-hmm. Um, Damn. When this when I didn't really when this catch. Movie, sorry, oh, sorry, I just ahead, wanted please. to jump in. I didn't really catch that he was faking it, and it totally makes so much sense. I think in the back oh, of my yeah. mind, I may have mm-hmm. thought about it, but I'm like, yeah, no, he definitely was like for sure. Damn. Yeah, he was for sure faking that. Mm, he yeah. definitely was for sure faking that. Because you see the neighbor come out of right. their porch and notice, and then Everyone's that's when watching. He, he triggered the I'm senile, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I'm just an old man. I don't, I'm sorry. I stumbled on your property. Yeah, where's my, my keys? My apologies. Yeah, fine. Right, yeah. Where's my keys? 
Oh, uh, because like we, he knew what was going to happen next. Yeah, right. Damn. Like he knew, like but he what wanted was to put a stop to it. Exactly. Yeah. He wanted mm-hmm. to end this cycle. We stand. Aaron is yelling as Malik. Uh, excuse me. Aaron is yelling at Malik about the security system. Malik apologizes. Aaron asks him how much the system was, and I was like, "Bruh, I don't give a fuck where I am. I could be in the suburbs. <laughs> I don't care. I'm getting me an alarm system and I'm locking my damn door. Like, Hello. I don't give a fuck." And what pissed oh, me off yeah. even more is when like Aaron got upset and he's like, you know what people oh, do in the it, suburbs? They keep their doors I hated unlocked. That. I'm like, he unlocked it. Yeah. He unlocked the door. I was like, what the fuck? It's like, <sighs> and I was like, the, this is another good agony. moment the to like agony. bring up what happened earlier and what was going on. Honestly, it's like this honestly, is why I bought this shit. There was many good moments. To bring when Aaron up. did that, I was like, bro, your your privilege is speaking right now. Yeah. Like, if you feel like you could just willy nilly right. just leave the door unlocked wherever you are, and especially mm, right. a new town that you moved into, I'm like, yikes. Yeah, I mean, Aaron also too isn't as flamboyant as Malik, right? So yeah, like, he could pass he, as straight, and I think he exactly. doesn't realize that. Mm. Right, and th- and that's that's where his ignorance really shine. Where it's just like you don't realize that you're white, and yeah. that you're not as flamboyant as Malik, so you pass as yep. a straight man. Mm-hmm. So, I had the same thoughts. Yep. He timidly. T- he. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I oh, know. I was saying. Oh, you yeah, just, I was you just agreed. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> yes. it. The, the internet. The, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> he timidly uh, uh, tells Aaron a few thousand dollars. Irritated, Aaron unlocks the door, claiming that's what they do in the suburbs before walking away. Malik looks uh, at his paper, but it is blank. Next morning, Malik wakes up alone, sitting up, then uh, takes some pills for his head, and that's already super fascinating, right there. Another thing that kind of adds to Malik's. Um, I guess character in a way because taking pills for any type of mental illness in the 90s was also super frowned upon like mm-hmm. you just that was just like a big no no people ignored it like if you had depression like y- you couldn't tell anyone because mm-hmm. people were just like oh you're sad you should go get an ice cream like <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like they just brushed that shit off he tries to get to work to decipher but um, maybe encrypted on the um, but it is encrypted on the blank piece of paper. Nothing. And there's literally nothing on the paper, and he's trying to figure out how to get this off. Aaron comes up. Um, Aaron comes home in the evening, asking Malik if everything is all right. He just says one word without looking at Aaron, saying, yeah. Aaron irritatedly asks if he called the alarm company for a refund, adding that they, weren't, uh, that they aren't keeping it. And, uh, and once again, another good opportunity to tell him about the shit that was written on the wall. Mm-hmm. Cut to Kayla getting high and playing video games with Tyler. Go ahead. Sega Saturn. Like, <laughs> I was surprised. It was Sega Saturn. That's mm-hmm. true. It was Sega Saturn. They, there uh, weren't a lot of those around. Definitely no. not. I did have one, though. Me too. Um, yeah. he's, Out he's of Dreamcast. Slightly, I have both. Uh, he's slightly offensive. I, I wasn't that type of guy. I found that Sega Saturn at a Goodwill, and I was like, yo! <laughs> uh, he's slightly offensive, asking if she's that if she's the girl with the two dads. Then adding that he thinks it's cool, it's just like that didn't sound like he thought it was cool. <laughs> he then he then oh go ahead, David. Hey, you knew I wanted to say something. <laughs> you know those moments. Yeah, I was like, oh, they're just there to just show like ignorance. But I, I mm-hmm. you see a lot of those moments sprinkled with, with throughout the film, and it's just more them trying to validate the information that they have, right? Yeah. Um, because, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's very much so. It's just like we're just trying to make sure. 
you guys are who you say you are, claim you are, kind of thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He then asks about her mom, and she uh, calls him nosy, but he claims that he he wants to get to know her. She angrily comments. She angri- she angrily comments that her mom is probably in Costa Rica, spending her in- inheritance. She takes the attention off the subject when she beats him to at the game. Malik is getting some water, then um, uh, then notices. Oh, did my audio cut out, or did you? No, you're Freddy? good. Oh, mine's okay. I think Freddie said his cut out. Um. All right. Well, Freddie tries to deal with that. Um, I'll keep going. She uh, takes the attention off the subject when she beats him at the game. Malik is getting some water uh, when he notices that his neighbors are in a group inside their house, holding the hands and swaying back and forth. He turns off his light, spying on, on them from across. Marshall comes into the room with a group of people surveying them. Malik grabs... Um, Malik Malik grabs. Oh shit! I lost my spot. Malik grabs the Polaroid camera. A man uh, facing towards the window as the group continues to vibe in their uh, ritualistic nature. He ta- he takes a picture of the group by accident, setting off the flash, running over to uh, to turn the light off immediately and hiding for a moment. Marshall turns around, closing the curtains. Um, jump jump to one of their dead neighbors, put into an ambulance. And this is fucking wild. Like all of a sudden, it's just like, like, oh shit, homeboy is now dead, and we're seeing all of the ritual shit happening mm-hmm. prior to that, and you're just like, yo, like what? What did they do? Like I, I, in, in, in all honesty, I kind of wanted to see like the actual ritual happen. Same. I feel like yeah. we didn't really truly get to see the ritual happen, but I really yeah. wanted to see that ritual happen. <laughs> so for Bobby and Prince, this. I know this wasn't your first time seeing it, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember how you felt when you saw that the first time? When you saw the ambulance rolling up like that? Um, I do remember. Yeah, because uh, I remember wondering who died at first. Because like right away, because I didn't know Same. that was the old man's house right off yeah, the bat. Because they didn't I'm really too. show Same. his house. Um, okay. So like I was just like, oh, who died? And then like. Then I got the clarification, obviously, when he physically goes into the house. Yeah, and okay. We see the picture and things like that. Same here. So, That's what I was curious about because I feel like I wasn't putting the pieces together quick enough because I didn't realize till later on in the film, like you had mentioned, that their so-called ritual was in his house, and I thought they were all family at first, but no, right? They're just neighbors. Yeah, yeah. And they were in his house. Dancing and holding hands the night you died—that's <laughs> creepy. Yeah, that is super creepy. It, it very. is very, very odd. But um, it's so weird. Um, but Freddie's audio actually just cut out. Everybody, we're recording this all online so we can make sure to have Bobby on the show. So we're actually going to take a quick pause to see if we can come back. Nothing's going to change for you guys. It's just going to sound a little different because we're going to jump back in. But we're just going to jump back in straight into the story. So we're going to pause and we're going to come back. Malik is about to mention what he saw last night to Aaron, but they are interrupted by Marshall and Tiffany. Marshall shares that this young man, Matthew, uh, uh, whose grandfather passed, and they they called him over last night to say a few words. And that's not weird to you? Like, <laughs> like you're just gonna say some few words for my dead grandpa on my floor? 
Okay. Looking at Malik while saying that it, it turned to a bit of a celebration, Malik looks over at Matthew as he glances back at him. Back in the house, Malik unfolds the blank note while looking out um, of the window. He heads over to his neighbor's house, sneaking into the house. Looking around, looking around a bit, stopping at a bookshelf, picking up the book, the quote, The Origin of Species in the Descent of the Man, um, end quote, by Charles Darwin. He notices the picture of, of, the old man with his family, he picks it up but drops it when he hears the front door opening. Matthew comes through, feeling that somebody is not quite right, something is not quite right. He goes into the room, noticing that the picture is broken and left on the floor. We cut to Kayla, slowly walking to work until Tyler asks for, ask if she needs the lift. Cool guy number one. He asks her, uh, where she's going. She tells, she tells him and he slightly begs her to call out sick. And it's just like, are you going to be paying my bills? Like, what the fuck? She <laughs> agrees to, like, she agrees to go with him. She's like, I just met you like twice, bro. Like, we smoked some weed and we played Sega Saturn. Like, I'm, I'm not calling out sick for you. Fuck oh, damn. What a 90s ass sentence. <laughs> she agrees to go with him. They are chilling on a bridge with his parked car chatting about, um, chatting about him ever once. It's funny because just like he's parked on a bridge. Yeah. Why are you parked over? That's hella dangerous. Small, small town, town shit. <laughs> shit. No, that's small so. town shit. I mean, that's where <laughs> that's where her dad and her dad's car got hit with a fucking rock. So it's just like. Right. We shouldn't stop here. He tells her that he uh, has everything here, then rebuttals the question towards Kayla. She shares that she has a boyfriend back in Chicago while moving her her hand away from from his as he slowly touches it. He move. I didn't. I didn't suspect Derek to be her boyfriend, but I assume that's who she was referring to. Yeah, like Derek, yeah. Derek also seemed also gay to me as well. But, I got the same vibe, but. I mean, he uh-huh. did say that that fucked up shit about not drinking. I mean, that, that, he could be bi, he could be pan. We don't know. This is true. This is true. That's true. He moves off the car and then notices someone standing at the other end of the bridge with a mask on. Tyler asks if if she sees that. She does, and is, uh, is nervously asking, "What what is he doing?" The man starts walking towards them. Tyler having the right idea to get the fuck out of there. Back with <laughs> Malik, sighing about uh, um, sighing about not wanting to go out. To, Excuse me, had to swallow. Sighing about not wanting to go out with his neighbors because they creep him out. Aaron is frustrated, arguing that he always creates drama when they try to make friends. They continue their argument for a moment longer. Malik comparing themselves to the gay versions of Uncle Tom. That shit had me on, like, high alert when he said that shit. Mm-hmm. I was just like, yo, that's that makes so much sense. like... They do come off a little racist, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it definitely makes it seem like, like yeah, he he feels like that comparison of Uncle Tom, like it, it's wow, that that should definitely just come by surprise. But a, a, a quick little um, question that I have for everybody: um, the guy with the mask walking on the bridge. I wanted to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This man is interesting. Now yes. I have a few theories, and one of my theories that I do have about him. I find him to be not involved with the cult at all. Interesting. I don't, I don't find him involved with the cult, but I do feel like this man sort of knows about the cult. Yeah. So I wanted to bring this up because to me it felt irrelevant and I wondered why it was there. And I was right. like, is he, like, we is never he, see him again. Same. Is he the guy yeah. that threw the rock? I think he is. <laughs> Could be. 
Yeah. I, oh, that's shit. what I'm saying. I think he actually legitimately is the guy who threw the rock. You know what? I was actually trying to be funny at first, but what if this is a victim, a spirit of a victim, and it's trying to warn them, stay away? I mean, that's we, a cool do, theory. we do get spirits. Yeah, that is a cool theory. I didn't yeah. think of it. And we do get spirits in this movie, and which is interesting because at first the spirits itself seem shoehorned. We're really just like, random. Whoa. Like, yeah, yeah, it was just yeah. like hella random. Like, Can't whoa, well, there's a ghost like, all of a sudden. What? What? Right. <laughs> and um, not only that, but getting triggered off seeing Tyler, that could have been. Right. Because you're going to see, uh, was it Kayla? What's her name again? Kayla. Yeah, yeah Kayla. Yeah, Kayla. He, he don't know well, who he that asks, is. He like, can you see that? Like, like oh, he, that's he a straight good up point. asks, like, do you see that? And that's a very she, good point. That's where I was just like, this person isn't supposed to be here. Yeah. Because mm. it like, could be Tyler just a angry spirit. looks scared. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He wants out. Fascinating. Yeah. It's super interesting. interesting. I love that. I, I love doing something like that. Yeah, me too. It's, it's the best. This movie has a lot of it. Cuts to them drinking wine with Marshall and Tiffany conversing about love being love, but Malik having a morbidly realistic outlook about him and Aaron's relationship. Marshall comments uh, comments that those people are assholes, and Aaron agrees, sharing the story about his ex-wife. Her lawyer considering that since, she, since he is gay, they didn't deem him fit to parent Kayla. Malik chiming in, commenting that they called their relationship illegitimate. Aaron adding quote-unquote, high risk. Marshall speaks on how much he hates people who treat others that way. Um, and I love how, like, Malik is just, like, staring him down right now. He's just, like... Uh, he's over that whole conversation. He's, right. He's over them. <laughs> he's just, like, I don't want to even talk it. about this right now. Like, what the right. fuck? You are not my ally. <laughs> Tyler comes home, greeting his parents and grabbing some food out of the fridge. Tiffany asks him where he was. He tells her, irritatedly, to, um, mentions that he was out with a new friend. She continues asking how it went. He awkwardly mentions that it went fine, then heads to his room. Aaron, Aaron comments that he seems like a good kid, and like it, that was like a genuine comment. I'm like, yeah. Really? I was like, like, I don't, I don't get no, you, bro. You did. Yeah. Marshall joking about him being a teenager. Malik rolls his eyes and throws that uh, that wine straight back. Malik is looking for the bathroom. His attention is caught by an office space. He goes inside the room, pulling a book that has a spiral sigil on the side of the book. He doesn't take it completely out. He continues looking around the room, attracted to a portrait from 1792 that oddly resembles Tyler. Mm. <laughs> hmm. When I seen it, I say, yep, something's up. Something's definitely up. And that is Tyler in that photo. You couldn't convince me Hands otherwise. Down. Hands down. Like, that was 100% Tyler in, mm-hmm. in that fucking stupid curly hair wig. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely Tyler. What you trying to say about curly hair? <laughs> no, see, your curly <laughs> hair is real, dog. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, immaculate. I'm a big old yeah. dummy, though. I was like, damn. His his ancestor Hello looks like him. <laughs> no. no, that's how I felt too. And then when I saw the reveal later on, I was like, oh, okay, I know who that it's was. Totally, yeah. It's totally the story of Dorian Gray right, right. here, though, right? Yeah. Like, this is definitely a borrow of Dorian Gray and the or the portrait of Dorian Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's that whole concept of my soul lives here. If you destroy this, you destroy me kind of concept. Uh, Mm. Marshall startles him calling the portrait of his relative, Richard, um, and briefly explaining his history. His relative's nickname is Dick. Malik makes a nonchalant excuse about where he he believes the bathroom was. He then comments about their resemblance. Marshall comments uh, that has to be, that has been uh, working on gathering information about his family tree for over a decade. Marshall offers to show him where the bathroom is. Um, 
And the photo just oddly, just for me in general, of how like everything just works in this particular set of this world. I love how like he had the concept of like, I'm trying to, you know, get information on my family tree and so on and so forth. Like that context alone just made that such like so much more interesting to me. Mm -hmm. So fascinating. Kayla is asleep. As Malik is working on his ghostwriting for Dr. Darrelson, um, he's, um, excuse me. I don't know why I, I put it that way. Uh, while he's working on the ghostwriting for, doc- for Dr. Darrelson, someone outside in their car shines their headlights into his home. He gets up trying to see who it is and tr- is transported back to the um, to that awful night when he was younger and three men um, I was going to say three, three men man-bushed him. Uh, three men ambushed him through the window of his late boyfriend's car. Malik wakes up from this nightmare as Darrelson continues speaking about racism and homophobia on the screen. Cut to Kayla working out, Malik commenting about her having a job now. She remarks that it is part-time. While stretching, she sees Tyler outside, another girl running up to him, hugging him. He gives her his jacket, and they are about to kiss, but she runs off. Tyler looks up and notices Kayla um, shutting the curtains. Meanwhile, Matthew knocks on Malik's door. It's it's interesting that we never see her again. I mean, they explain it as they broke up, but... yeah. Super interesting. I totally think he killed her. He answers, <laughs> and Matthew mentions that he uh, needs to speak to his uh, speak about his grandpa. Malik is silent, but he pleads. Inside, Matthew apologizes for his grandfather startling him in the backyard the, the other night, blaming it on his mind not being right. Asking if she, if he said, um, asking if he said anything um, when it when it happened. Malik doesn't know. Matthew asks if he gave him anything. He tells Matthew bluntly, "No." while staring straight into his eyes. Fucking good old Malik. Malik isn't, look, uh, Malik isn't looking at him and seems confused, asking why. Matthew startles him um, when, he, when he is now sitting right next to him, sobbing that they are calling his grandpa's death a suicide by overdose. What? Yes. The jump is like, holy shit. So, first of all, I was like, who is this guy? Because at first I thought it was Tyler, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and I sure. was like, hey, they look so similar to me. I can't, I couldn't tell them apart. But so I was you like, trying to say that the white people all look alike? I wanted to say that, yes. <laughs> oh, no. I, I try to refrain from it, but couldn't keep it in. Um, but have we seen this guy before? Like, we have. He was the guy who was outside yeah. in the ambulance. Mm-hmm. He was oh, crying. I thought that was right. Tyler. No, no, that was, that was uh, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Got you. Okay, okay. Yeah, please continue. I just wanted to throw that tidbit out there. Yeah. No worries. But with that jump, for some reason, I just thought that was in Malik's head at first. I'm just like, okay, like how? Yeah. Right. So well, maybe Malik was just like, you know, tripping or whatever, and right. He, but come to find out, that's not really Malik's fault. Right. Yeah, but these there's motherfuckers there's many moments jump. where I felt like, oh, is this a psychological thriller? Is a lot of this in his head because of his yeah. past trauma? I thought they were right. going to go there, and I was like, I hope they don't because that's going to. That, that would be very bad the story for you. Yeah. Mm. At this point, I started the theory crafting, and I was like, "No, that would be too obvious or too easy a path to go down to." That in uh, Malik's memory of the incident when he was young with his ex boyfriend, if he was actually the one that passed away, um, right. you know. And then I was like, "Oh, is this like kind of some limbo or uh, in between that he's in?" And that's, like, that's a great thought. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, I, I was thinking maybe not. Maybe that's a reach. 
No, that's a good thought. That is a great thought. Thanks. Yeah. He, he continues to sob um, that he misses him and hugs Malik. He moves his hand seductively as he repeats it more sultry. Malik is slightly turned on, but they are interrupted by Aaron coming into the room, not realizing that, that they had company. They both jump up, Malik trying to introduce him, but he doesn't know his name. Matthew introduces himself, but sees himself out. Uh, Malik is now going to take a message from our sponsors. Malik is looking at a rash that is growing on his chest. Aaron commenting about inviting Matthew since Malik obviously likes him. Um, by the way, everybody, we're back. Uh, Malik goes to lie down at Aaron <laughs> in the bed. Aaron trying to convince him about Matthew joining in with them, reminding him about um, a party with someone uh, named Jason. Malik comments um, that he only wants Aaron kissing him. They turn off the lights, um, about to get intimate, but Kayla interrupts them from screaming in her room, and she's fucking screaming bloody Loudly. murder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Aaron runs into her room, Kayla screaming that she's bleeding, not knowing where the blood is coming from. He yells for Malik to get towels, but he notices a bloody blotch above her head. Malik checks out the attic, holding his nose from the sight of dead raccoons. He throws them away, staring staring at Matthew's house, curtains drawn, but people moving, um, moving about inside. He asks Aaron if he thinks if anyone put the animals there... Aaron doesn't think so, considering that they may have lived up there and ate poison then died. And you know what? I actually believe Aaron on this. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the raccoon situation and so on and so forth, I feel like if they were to do that, they're trying to get them to leave. Uh, like, like, because for me, it's just like, okay, we get the sign, the slur, mm -hmm. now dead raccoons. And at this point, like, it feels to me that's like, oh, wait a second. Like, if that's the case, like, they're trying to get them to leave. Because, like, for me, I would have been like, okay, as so, soon as I was yeah. saw the slur, I'm out. Especially if I'm seeing some a, damn raccoons up there. Yeah. I'm out. You think there's a hidden protagonist out there just trying to protect them and having them leave? Who doesn't want to be Freddy? part of the cult? <laughs> no, I mean, I would not I'll save like that you, on the wall. Mary There's better ways of doing this, but it could be where it's like, first off, I thought it was going to be like some type of like animal sacrifice. So I was like, oh, it's raccoons. I don't know any animal sacrifices that have to do with raccoons, but I don't know. You know, initially, it, it I, moment, I, though, I yeah, thought the same thing, Freddie. Uh, and then with what you're saying now, Prince, I think you're totally right. And I think mm -hmm. we kind of get confirmation of that at the end of the film because yeah. of something that was left behind in the same location that they mm -hmm. went, they didn't find because if this is part of their normal strategy, they would be up there frequently, right? right. Um, and they would have clearly seen that. Uh, and I also want to call out, I think in this scene very much portrays how great that acting is in this film. Um, yeah. It, yeah. it yeah. feels very... Feels very genuine. genuine, like yeah. yeah Even um, from all three, especially in this scene. So I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to that too. Definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. Kayla is in the shower, cleaning off the blood, slightly gagging and holding back tears. Super rad transition to the camera spiraling away from Matthew. Then we cut to Malik continuing his work for Doctor Darrelson, him speaking on sin and temptation, using this as a claim to find um, to find the Ernie Darrelson Clinic. Um, Malik searches for the clinic, finding information on gay conversion therapy. Jesus Christ! Scary. Malik is at the at, uh, Malik Very is much. at the dinner table. 
conversation muffled from both Aaron and Kayla, now asleep having a nightmare about Mr. Reinhardt, and that's the old man, everybody. They didn't say his name literally until now, about Mr. <laughs> Reinhardt sure. telling him to take the paper and not to tell anyone. Hooded figures standing outside the house watching from above Malik and Aaron are taking a shower together. Malik sharing that he can't finish the book because his computer fried. Aaron is um, asked if he backed it up, Malik shaking his head that he didn't. Kayla knocks on the door, calling out to Malik being in the shower for almost an hour. He realizes that he is actually alone in the shower, confused by it. He apologizes, telling her that he'll be out um, in, a mo- in a moment. Looking at himself in the mirror, he um, has an epiphany on how to show the message on the paper. Back at his desk, he pours water on the paper. And he actually, like, dumps a shit ton of water on it. He's like, oh, wait, hold oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. on now. Let's, let's test it out. Let's rub a little yeah, bit just first. Yeah, just Damn. Drop it, something. <laughs> something. I love he knew. I actually love that we don't... Malik doesn't find out the the secret message, and we keep coming back to it in the film. Yeah. Because I feel mm-hmm. like, I like so many films, you have a moment where, like, let me tinker around with this, and within one or two minutes... Um, of just playing around with it, we had the reveal. But this is something he kept, held on to, kept coming back, and this is going back to what I said. I feel like Malik is a good protagonist because he feels very realistic, like in his flaws and his su- successions, um, or his, his moments of succeeding. So I love that. I love that you don't find out what's Realism. on the paper until multiple yeah. attempts. I love that too. Yeah, that's really, really nice. Um, but it also reveals a sequence of numbers. Um, he is at the library. I, also, I want to come back to that whole shower scene, but later. Um, he is also he is at the library using the computer to search the sequence of numbers in, the, in their database. It comes up with newspaper clippings. He is searching through the newspaper, finding articles on a murdered suicide in Rusty Creek. He recognizes the woman in the article from the photo inside Reinhardt's house. Malik moves it to another section, stopping on quote-unquote homosexual. Cut to Malik back at home staring out of the window, Aaron asking if he's alright. He sternly comments that they um, have to move and that he doesn't have a good feeling about the people that inhabit this town. Mentioning that Ryan Hart gave him a piece of paper that have series of dates that go back to decades. You tell him this, the most fucking like thing that is going to seem so far-fetched versus someone busting right. into your house with writing this slur on your wall? This that is what you that- decide to tell him. Exact really? thoughts. Exact thoughts. I think at this point, I think fuck? that's where he felt like he's going too crazy or whatever. But right. I feel like too, that slur. Yeah, it's too far in. But with that slur, I feel like that's just far enough for me. Because, right. again, going back to that, you got somebody that just broke into your house and didn't write something like that. So you now tell him the final straw is finally when you get that paper, you figure out the dates and stuff, and you just like, all right, we got to get out of here. And it's just like, right. no. Nah. Nah, we ain't doing that. Nah. Aaron closes the bathroom, the bedroom door as Malik raises his voice that he saw Marshall and Matthew in Reinhardt's house, and all of his all and all of a sudden he's now dead. He continues showing him the article um, about another gay couple that was killed ten years prior. He claims that Marshall and Tiffany didn't mention this to them, considering them to be lying. Aaron sticks up for them by commenting that they aren't lying to them, but blames Malik for not being social with them. He tells Malik that Marshall and Tiffany were close with the couple and they told him all about it then comments that he likes this town. Malik is frustrated with him, starting to sob, Aaron promise, uh, promising that what happened to him in the past will not happen to him again. He tells Aaron that he can't make that sort of promise. I mean, he's right. Yeah. Malik is on the phone with Liam, him telling um, Malik to calm down and that he's call- he, that he's seeing what he's, he wants to see, calling the numbers noise. Malik, is, um, Malik asks if he doesn't find... 
excuse me, Malik asks if he doesn't find that uh, this happened every 10 years to be strange. Liam ignores the question, asking if he is searching for permission. Malik doesn't understand. Liam tells him to move on, and Malik believes that he um, has al- he has already moved on, but Liam hangs up on him. Malik spots something um, above his garage door. He closes it, and it reveals a spiral that's um, spray-painted on the ceiling. And you don't want to show him that either, huh, Malik? Right. right. Like, it's come so on, bad. bro. This is twice someone's been in your house because yes. your stupid husband is fucking leaving the door unlocked. <laughs> you literally, literally just that. Yeah. It's literally, literally just that. Come on. And my Guts. thoughts were, my thoughts were, um, I felt like Aaron was a part of all of this. Aaron, that's that's like, what I, I first felt too. Comes to our. Aaron seems just so nonchalant with everything. He's yeah, not, right. you know, believing in anything. That's just so maybe Aaron has something to do with this because there's just no way that he's acting this way and Malik is just the only one that's going crazy right. and, and he's just not. Right. And that's your husband. Like, I don't know. Don't you right. want to... Don't you wanna at least want to try? Like, yeah, try. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he just seems like he doesn't want to... So, I don't know. Maybe it's stuff that happened in their past where they obviously have this problem with communication. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's my thoughts. Were Aaron was a part of everything, and he wanted to get rid of Malik. That's <laughs> yeah. that's a fair I, thought because that, that mine exactly as well. Got to a fade montage. Of, oh, I'm sorry. Go I'm ahead, sorry, no, good. Uh, that conversation was just so hard to listen to because I was like, "Yo, back up your husband. He's there for you." And I just I even put here. It's like, oh, this would have been great for our toxic relationship month as well because I was like, yeah. it was on our list. Toxic. <laughs> because it was on he, our he list. He put the blame. It's like, oh, you're blaming your past because this is coming up, and it's like you're literally victim blaming and gaslighting your own husband who's supporting you and is always yeah. there and Dude, you're absolutely. protecting all these strangers that you just met yep, yep, and I was just yeah. like fuck them come on Aaron like, what's up? yeah like, he is come on He's trash. Cut to a fade montage of Malik jogging through the town, stopping to catch his breath in front of an abandoned house. Malik is looking at a picture of Dr. Darrelson trying to type chapter two. He goes back to the article of the gay couple trying to figure out, figure it all out. He drives back to the abandoned house, slowly approaching the door. He opens the door to an eerie house, to the eerie house, calling out, but no answer. The spiral sigil above the ceiling fan in the living room. Great placement, by the way. Just like with the fan that already spirals genius uh, continuing upstairs there is a hole in the ceiling that have that has tapes on, um that are on the edge a thump downstairs malik calling out to them and heading back downstairs to check where the sound came from a ghostly woman with tears for blood ghastly squeals at him while trying to hand him the stacks of tapes Love and this. i even put here that like f- this definitely seemed odd for me and out of place so it's just like i what? agree but I when agree. you finish the movie like it it makes so much sense yeah. I agree that it's totally out of place and random, but I was like, let's go. This is what I love. <laughs> <laughs> let's get it. Conjuring 4. Exactly. Malik comes back home, yeah. notices uh, his entire computer destroyed and his hard drive now removed. He calls out to Aaron, notice, uh, notices him standing outside. He goes up to him, Aaron um, handing him a picture. Malik claims that uh, this isn't him. Aaron doesn't believe him, telling him to get get out of his house before he comes back. Malik cries uh, for, him, for him. Aaron throwing the photos of Matthew and Malik on the ground. Back in the house, while Malik is crying and throwing a well-deserved tantrum, he takes out a blank white CD from his computer tray. Interesting stuff with the whole photos with Malik and Matthew. Like, mm-hmm. I was trying to think. I was trying to think about it. Photoshop totally was a thing back then, but I totally think like he blanked out 
and actually yeah. like yep. had this moment with Matthew. Because yeah. if you go back into the sh- um, when he was in a shower, he was obviously yep. thinking that he was in a shower with Aaron, but he was by himself. Right. So I think they did something to him for him to black out, and that's when that kid took advantage of him and did that. Right. Exactly. Um, and we also even find later that like his pills are switched. Yeah. But, like we so definitely like this whole time he's probably been taking the wrong pills because we know this yeah. motherfucker's all up in the house. Exactly. So, like, mm-hmm. It's that's wild. Uh, yeah. You even have that moment where he looks at the rash on his chest, and then I yeah. I didn't realize till later on that's from the the grip or the bondage or whatever it was in yep. the photos that was on him, yes. right? Yep. Yeah. When when the Polaroids get revealed, I was like, "How do you fake Polaroids in like '95? Right. Like what?" But I'm like, I later on I I came to the same consensus of like, dude, they he was drugged because they probably drugged him even more. Like, what's going to stop them from doing that? I mean, and then also roofies were also huge in the '90s. Yeah, yeah. And then they fucking potentially seen uh, like raped him or just uh, faked totally a sexual scene like, or. But yeah, dude, that's brutal. That's that's so traumatizing to see that, right? And just Seriously. being so confused and thinking this didn't happen. And uh, not only are you going through all this psychological torment, but now your marriage is just done yeah. after something that you had no control over. That's terrible. Right. Yeah. I put myself in that situation. It's just like, what would I do if like I don't remember anything I did, like I did that? The same and, thing. Just, yeah. and I'm just like... I don't know what I would do. I honestly don't know what I would do. Just yeah, because yeah. It's just like, I, like, what do you do? Yeah, what like, can you do? Just, just, what can you do? <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, along with our knowledge on a lot of things that we've talked about from this movie, compared to um, now, you know, what twenty five years later, um, we know more, and we know also more about. Um, the different aspects of like rape and things like that. Whereas I think in ninety five. People just took things at more of face value and didn't see the intricate yeah. layers behind it. So I think mm-hmm. as a society, we've we've tried to educate ourselves more and uh, kind of yeah, see the I nuance so. of those things. Yeah, I, yeah, we're, we still have a lot yeah. of room to grow, but yeah. I I think nowadays we can. I would think if a partner, if I have a partner and they told me they generally don't remember that or doesn't recall that but we have like something like photo evidence it's like let's look into the photos are fake or if something more severe happened right because yeah, um, yeah. it's tough Bobby like I did the same thing I put myself in that situation and I was like how would I react yeah, yeah. but it also no, makes seriously. me think again I'm gonna say it again that like I want to know what happened in their relationship in the past for Aaron to react this way towards Merlit because he's not yeah. believing him with anything like I feel right. like if their relationship was okay that he would be like, all right, how did this happen? Like, you totally. know, he would try to understand. But at that point, he didn't want to understand. He was just like, I don't believe you, you know, get out of my house. He was just upset. Exactly. But yeah. we also right. get a little bit of hints that they do, they did used to fool around with other people. Because um, right. yes. when they were in bed, he was just like, you know, you seem interested in this person. Remember, we used to play with, you know, other people and stuff like that. So... I don't know if something happened in that aspect in their relationship in the past where something like this happened before and that's why he don't believe Malik. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a very interesting thought. Yeah. The phone continues ringing. He picks it up thinking that it is Aaron on the other end, but it is the cops calling for Kayla. Cut to Malik speaking with the cop while Kayla waits in the car. Back in the car with Kayla, her mentioning that Jessica des- uh, deserved it. Malik irritated, but he's um, but she continues saying that she would uh, give Tyler AIDS because of her dad's relationships. Malik argues uh, for her to forget everything he said about being loud and proud because in this country, being different is not okay. 
She's silent, um, the face slightly angered. He then mentions that he doesn't want her hanging with with Tyler because he only wants one thing anyway. He asks for for a response, her promising that she won't see him again. But then we jump cut to her making out with Tyler, him claiming that <laughs> him claiming that um him and Jessica are now done. They continue kissing, but she stops him to share that she. Uh, she's a virgin, but she's ready. He thanks her, smiling warmly, deciding to wait. Her smile fades, wondering if she, if he wants her. He tells her that he does, but he wants it to be special. <laughs> then they hug, like bro. I knew something like, was you know, up. Devour. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> I knew something was up because, like teenage boys, right? What? They're just going to just keep. They don't care about any of that. They just want to go. The 1700s. He's fine. Like he he's had multiple partners. Like he's been he's he's experimented, (laughs) y'all. So let me let me throw this at you all. Do you think they needed a virgin for the ritual? Oh yes. Oh yeah. He okay. seemed like he he got what he wanted to hear. Yeah, he wanted yeah. that validation, that confirmation. Exactly. Right? This whole yeah. thing was all about validation. They testing these people to figure out like what you know something. I guess they trying to gather all this information so they could use it for their sacrifice or whatever. And I think that was like the nail on the heat. She hit the nail on the head with that right there. After he heard He's that, like, you said everything it. I wanted to hear. Because mm-hmm. yep. we're always like, oh, we can just wait. No, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, no. right. <laughs> Meanwhile, Malik is uh, sitting outside of, in his car, listening to a politician speaking during his campaign. Aaron spots him in the window, looking down, looking back down at him, but then he draws his blinds. Malik cries, thinking back to that night of his late boyfriend being murdered. Back to reality, reality looking at the article for a moment, and then drawing the spiral in his window with his finger. He goes to Marshall's house, ringing his doorbell, asking for a drink. Marshall tries cheering him up with that drink, telling him um, what he thinks he needs to hear. Malik is confused by by the images, Marshall asking if it is true. Malik sternly says that it, it isn't true, but then changes it to him not thinking it is, claiming that he seems uh, he's been so confused lately. I wonder why. Marshall <laughs> changes the subject to his hard drive, claiming that Aaron seemed worried about it when it when he picked it up. This is what I want to talk about because this is such an interesting line. He told Aaron that when he was in the shower. Mm. And. Aaron wasn't really in the shower. Mm. Malik knows that Aaron wasn't there because yep. when he came, when he snapped out of it, he realized like, "Oh, I just thought Aaron was here." Yep. That would have been the biggest red flag for me. I'm be like, "I Damn. never told Aaron about my hard drive." Mm-hmm. But damn but that's a good point there wasn't anything wrong with it i know that's it's super interesting right malik questions him marshall tells him that that he saw the folder but malik doesn't understand he walks off into another room marshall claiming that the folder doesn't look good for him he still doesn't understand marshall shouting that they seem that um uh that they are friends um, but from the office um, behind him, he tells him that his secret is safe with him, but he recommends him to uh, to get some help. That's also fascinating. We, we're getting this jumping motion again, which is also super interesting. 
And I love how Malik is just like, yo, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I, I, I would just run now. I'm like, yeah, right, I'm like, okay, no, conversation done, Marshall. I'm out of yeah. here, bro. Like, <laughs> I, I get it, bro. I, you're a sentient being. Have fun with Aaron. I'm out. Um, then gestures <laughs> at the backup um, hard drive, offering to come over later to install it. Malik tr- uh, takes the drive, staring at the spiral book. He is startled by Marshall right behind him, speaking on it um, being um, an ex and exciting to be alive during so much change in the world. Malik excuses himself and leaves. Cut to him going to a motel, closing the door um, behind him, looking out of the window to check to see if anyone, if, if he's been followed. He closes the, excuse me, he closes the other curtain, going over to the bed, looking at the book with the spiral on it, before throwing it on throwing it on the bed. In the flickering bathroom, Malik tries to take a pill, but he seems off, sick even. He loads up a gun before going to to the uh, phone to call Liam. Liam's line is officially dead. Malik slamming the phone back on the hook. The whole Liam thing is so fascinating because, like, I don't know if, if you guys are are thinking the same thing I'm thinking of. Liam totally is the dead boyfriend, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I wanted more though. I wanted to yeah. I wanted us to dive in deeper on that and exactly. you know. Yeah, me too. But I, I think that's a compliment to de- the movie. Yeah. And I didn't get he was dead, obviously, until a little later in the film. So I just assumed like the whole beginning of the film, you see the whole gay bashing happen. He survived that and um he's talking to him the whole time on the phone. Um but at the end you figure out, hmm. I don't want to give it away just yet because we're still going, but... <laughs> right, yeah, no worries. Um, he notices a silhouette behind the curtain, an indistinct, um, gravely um, voice speaking. Cocking the hammer, he pointed at the figure, it, change- it changing to a woman asking someone if they found the keys. The couple goes into their room. When he turns around, the ghostly woman from earlier comes running at him from the bathroom. She flashes and disappears in front of him. He looks through the tapes of Hannah and her family while he is on the phone rela- uh, relaying the message to Aaron. Him claiming that this is all part of some ritual that they have that they have been selected for. The video continues playing, showing all the incidents happening to them 10 years prior. Aaron tells him to stop, but Malik continues telling him that they have been chosen while reading in the spiral book. Flipping through the pages, coming across satanic images and their picture carved out. Aaron calls for him needing help and Malik holds his head from a high-pitched sound playing throughout the room. He runs to take a pill, but then notices that there aren't any, they aren't his pills. Yelling that they switched his meds, he picks the phone back up, calling for Liam, but the phone is disconnected. The TV continues playing um, of Hannah's daughter um, playing her recorder. They laugh, her sharing that she loves her mom, and Malik realizing that they want Kayla. Malik is driving quickly back to his old house. He makes it to the um to the house screaming for Kayla and Aaron. A group of people stopping uh, stopping talking uh, stop talking, turning their attention to Malik and they start laughing. He goes through the party, Tiffany greeting him, asking for Kayla's asking for Kayla. She comments that this party is all for her and um and that she's fine. He pushes past her, calling for Aaron. Aaron is surprised that that um, Aaron is surprised that, uh, excuse me, Aaron is surprised to see him, asking him where he's been. Malik reminds him that he kicked him out, but Aaron comments that that was over a week ago. It's just like, damn, and you didn't call me to come back home? Fuck. Right. Damn, okay. I mean, maybe um, he has, right? Because he's been so out of maybe. it. Maybe, that's true. Yeah. That is true. Maybe he didn't yeah. even realize that it's been a week either, right? Yeah. 
Because like, when they said weak, I was like, damn, they really got Malik. Like, they really got hungrier. I guess up. they want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the like, crazy damn. part, too, is when he realized that they switched his pills, when he realized he right. switched, um, they switched his pills, it was just, I felt so bad for him. And I said this in my review, too. I just want to give Malik a hug. <laughs> like, because Seriously. Because, like, dude is really just going through it in this film and it's just like oh my gosh like I felt so bad for him <laughs> so like, I, I yeah, seriously <laughs> um, it, it's so interesting oh Freddie's Freddie's audio cut out again um, everybody he did tell us to finish up with him um, or finish up without him um, so we'll we'll see if we can get him back in um, for the post show but we'll, we'll see what we could do um David, if you don't mind, uh, can you text him that? Because he can't yeah, hear us either. Uh, Marshall calls out to him, chipper as all lover, and Malik pulls out a gun. <laughs> it was just like, oh, shit. Got a gun. <laughs> the crowd flocks. They yeah. don't move away. They flock. They're just like, oh, <laughs> we love when this happens. Yeah. The crowd flocks, gawking from the side, Malik claiming that he's protecting Kayla from him. He shoots Marshall in the chest. Tiffany running over for, um, with, his, with his cake, Tyler running down the stairs to his dad's aid. Crying as he shakes his dad, Malik realizing... Um, what he's done the cake on the ground reading kayla's sweet 16 fade to black malik being taken into a prison cell he sits on the bed aaron calling for malik sharing that he's putting the house up for sale and that kayla is and kayla and him are going to move back to the city malik is relieved telling him to run away as far as possible from this town aaron sharing that it that it is not the town that he's running away from it's him oof heartbreaking i feel you on that bobby i do want to give malik a hug i'm just like Damn, you've been right. through it. It's just a lie. And so I'm sorry. also a little annoyed too because, like, who are these random people at the party? Like, right? Do, yeah. <laughs> like, so like, do you really everyone feel, in town? Yeah. Like, it's like, do Aaron feel that comfortable to have all these strangers at his daughter's party? So it's just, I don't know. I was just all like, these okay. Adults. Mm-hmm. And yeah. for her, like for Kayla, I would think that she would be annoyed by that, but I guess she was too busy upstairs, you know, I mean, with homeboy. She, that's true. Yeah. She's like, I'm with yeah, cool guy it's number a one. party for her, but she's up in her room with that dude. Yeah. It's just like, okay. Mm-hmm. Malik speaks more on him more on him doing what he had to do, knowing that Liam knew what he had to do. Aaron doesn't understand, asking him who Liam is. He reminds him that it is his ex-boyfriend. Aaron realizing now who he actually is referring to, Malik gets up cl- um, closer towards the bars, suggesting uh, to speak with Liam. Aaron tells him that he can't do that, but Malik doesn't understand why. He tells him that he has to go. Malik wails that he was trying to protect Kayla, sobbing that he didn't have a choice. Cut back to that night with um, him and Liam being beat, Malik screaming for them to stop in the back seat. The group runs off as the cops approach and Malik getting out of the car screaming for help. Cut to Aaron knocking on the door of Kayla's room, her crying on the bed. He comes in, sitting next to her, reminding her that they will they will get through this together. He She sobs into his chest. He leaves out of her room the flower that was inside the spiral book on their dining room table that he accepted from Tiffany earlier in the film. He sits at the computer desk, pondering for a moment, and finds a tape of Sammy. He puts the tape into the VHS player, Sammy on the screen telling her mom that she uh, wants to see Ty. Her mom suggesting that um, she's too young for a boyfriend, he fast-forwards it. Marshall on screen, um, talking about it, uh, potentially being teenagers who broke into their car. They point the camera at bat... Excuse me. They point the camera back at both Sammy and Tyler, commenting that the teenagers are getting along just fine. Aaron is shocked 
a gang of hooded people shrouded behind him outside of his house. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Chills just thinking about Mm -hmm. that scene again because goddamn what a reveal. (laughs) And I love that it's not a reveal for him, but it is for us. Yeah. Right. It's beautiful. Back with Malik, Marshall waking up in his cell. Malik asks him, "What the fuck is he? What the fuck is he?" I love that. I love yeah, that he's just like, I "What the too. fuck are you? Like, you're not human." I, I realize that now. Like, you're, Dude. you're. What are you? Malik <laughs> is ahead of the game by like twenty years. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. For real. He's just like, "Yo, I had a jump start." So I realize this now. <laughs> Marshall commenting that he's someone that's been around for a long time. Aaron knocks on Kayla's door, but is locked and she isn't answering. Marshall claims that this is the way um it has to um it has to be and this is how they ha- make it work. Malik is willing to trade himself for Kayla, but it is too late. Aaron continues trying to get her o- to open the door, but hears a bell chime downstairs. The bell chime is fucking fantastic touch, by the way. He looks over the banister. The shroud of people are in his living room. Back to working on that door, the chime causing him to stop as Kayla's um, door slowly opens. Marshall explains the scenario of him breaking out of out of jail, having drugs in his system. Um, he killed her, his husband, and then himself. The people are closer now, causing Aaron to turn around, seeing his daughter being devoured by Tyler at the foot of her bed. Aaron sobs and wails, Tiffany coming up behind him, calling the sight beautiful. This is fucking magnificent, Reveals. This is a magnificent reveal. I always love reveals like this because it's always those like, aha, I told you moments. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I love that shit. Marshall Marshall continues that people won't believe him because they are afraid of him. Adding um, when the tides change, they will um, be afraid of someone else. Fear being part of the human nature and they just exploit it. He whistles when the saints go marching in. As he walks away from Malik, still sitting on his cot. Fade to black, November 7th, 2005. Tyler smoking as his parents walk up to him, then watching as a, a new family strolls into town, waving at them. And good touch right here. Mm-hmm. If you look close enough, you see that exact same crack on their window. Yep. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> I called Yep. Good eyes. Malik scans a photo of the ritual going on, writing down his story, including pictures of what happened there, uploading the document as um as a disc for the new family that comes along. And goddamn, twenty minutes and forty six seconds to upload a document of six hundred kilobytes to a disc. Oh Lord, we it was the nineties. So we come so far, y'all. <laughs> goddamn, we come so far. I got I got like a ter- a terabyte right next to me, and it's like <laughs> this big. <laughs> the new family is is getting moved in. The the daughter finding a bloody stain on her ceiling. She goes up to the attic using her phone's light to search around the area, finding the CD case that was left behind from uh, from Malik. And I also would like to preface everybody. I didn't mention this, but I like to preface that this family is Middle Eastern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 2005. Like, yep. goddamn. The the detail in this movie is, like, yeah. jarring. Yeah. Malik's VO over the scenes, quote, they choose someone vulnerable and they vilify them. They do this so no one bats an eye. Everything I know about this town and what the people here have d- been doing in this do- is in this document. I'm making this for you so you don't have to, ch- so, so you have a chance. 
I don't know who will find this or what kind of person you are, but may um, but my hope is that you might be able to finally break this cycle. Now that I've told you all of this, what you do with the information is up to you. Just remember, hope is never silent. End quote. Then credits. God damn. damn. Yes. It's a good one. This movie. I like this that movie last is, line. Is mm-hmm. an absolute blast. I literally got chills that whole mo- like that whole like monologue that Malik was yeah. like when he was saying because yes. like even his like his tone, like his voice was obviously like just deeper, it changed. And it's right. just something about that whole entire monologue. It just sent me chills. And then watching it play out with the new family coming in and then seeing her like watching her see the stain, her going up there. And obviously he hit the message inside the C D and she seen it you know, in the corner. Right. So I'm it, glad she, it, she found it so fast, though. Yes. Like, I'm glad, like, th- they found it so, so, so quickly. Because, mm-hmm. like, it, it gives me hope that this cycle did break. Yeah. But I don't think it did. No. <laughs> I'm sure they found a way to, <laughs> they like, found a way. Yeah. They figured yeah, it tough. out. I also l- love that we see Malik come full circle because he was preaching about being loud and proud and then started recessing yeah. when he felt like his safety uh, was in je- jeopardy. But, like, through his final moments was mm-hmm. able to to let that be his his legacy through that CD. So right. you yeah, know I think that's important. Too? I generally don't think Malik died. I just think he's he's in jail. Really? Like, yeah. I could I could definitely see them making a sequel to this. Cuz like I it's do open ended, so died. yeah, totally. It is open ended, yeah. 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 So yeah. like it, it, that'd be cool. It's just like it, it's super interesting, but um I do want to call out I think it is uh a great touch and um an important call out that in um you know the 2005 sequence that it is a middle eastern family because you know this is after um 9-11 and um, mm-hmm. like malik said uh you know they target anyone that um and they could target anyone that's uh vulnerable or a minority and be vilified and um mm-hmm. you know it's it adds a lot of weight to the story overall um because it really portrays a message that like there is a problem with that there is a uh there are groups of people um that can be targeted towards crimes and um they don't in the in this country they're not seen as important and especially depending on uh surrounding circumstance and that's so important to call out and spread that message so we can change and fix that yeah absolutely i agree 100 percent with you yeah it's it's, it's 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 so interesting just like seeing how everything kind of fa- came full circle for this. But I, I do want to save save this conversation for the post show too because like I I want to definitely continue talking about this a a lot more. Yeah. Um But there are no movie facts for this movie, so like we're, well, we're blank on that. You got movie one. Fact? Yeah. <laughs> Please share this, Bobby. Well, originally, um, Malik wasn't supposed to be a black character. He was supposed to be white. Oh. Um, but Jeffrey Boyer Chapman is actually friends with the writers of this movie, and he's told them, like, hey, how about you make the character black to make it more interesting? So that also went with them changing a lot in the script. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. It's a good so, choice, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So when he did that, I said, oh, that's perfect. Because if if it was like just a, you know, a white gay couple and it just wouldn't have that same effect, obviously, because right. the story would have. I mean, I wonder just how they would have went about it because or what was the original script? Because if it was supposed to be two white men, 
Sorry, I got fireworks in the background. No, um, you're good. We can't. Promise you, they're not gunshots. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just curious to know what it would be if it was just two white men and what the original story was, because they obviously have to change the narrative when they made Malik black. Yeah. So, I, I I'm yeah, curious. with it being a wow. inter- interracial like gay couple, I think you just add so many more layers to it, and mm-hmm. it works to the film's favor for sure. Right. Absolutely. Oh, man, what a goddamn movie. But before we conclude and tell you what other movie we'll be covering next week, everybody, Bobby, where can people find you and listen to your beautiful voice and see your beautiful face, my friend? I look a mess right now, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Uh, well, you can find me on YouTube. Bobby likes the spooky. Um, <laughs> I'm <laughs> at least it's not like Trace called it. Booby likes the spooky. I still going to get him for that. <laughs> um, but it's Trace. Um, <laughs> Love you, Trace. Yeah, um, but yeah, you can find me there. I constantly, well, not constantly. I sometimes post um, movie reviews and um, collaboration with different people around the community. Um, and yeah, I just try my best to support others um, and just link up with others and just talk hard because that's what I love to do. And yeah, you can find me there. And also on Instagram and Twitter at Bobby Torres with a Z, not an S. Perfect. I love it. I love it. And the next movie that we're going to be covering, everybody, is High Tension with Joe Lipset and Trace Thurman from Horror Queers. That's going to be an absolute blast. Um, I've had the opportunity of going on their show, so I'm super stoked to definitely be going on or to be having them on our show. Like, this is going to be a lot, a lot of fun. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And alongside me, we had David. Stay spoopy, everyone. Always and forever. Also known as Nightly. On the other end, <laughs> we had Freddy, but he turned silent. Sorry, always his audio got spoopy, off. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Always and forever. Uh, but he's, he's silent over there, but that's he's he's still there. He, just so our recording doesn't get ruined. So thank you for that, Freddy, if you're listening oh, to this Freddy. later. Also known as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get this show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over on patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife and that's like, what the what? Okay. By Bludge on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday with the post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.